You're listening to The Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner. I'm joined by Rich Hoffman for our second podcast of the week. You know, we went from a, I guess real quick, get stuff out of the way. Please subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, all the like. You can get links over to that over at SixersBeat.com. Also, if you can, especially on iTunes, uh, give us a rating or a review. Uh, a lot of the search results are based on how many new ratings are given, so we do appreciate that. Also, check out the CLNS Media app. Uh, you can find ourselves, people Breakdown, Real Gym Radio, Sam Vecini's Game Theory Podcast, and many more, which now that I rattle those off, I realize they're also uh, the athletic cohorts in Sam Vecini and Danny LaRue. Uh, great stuff over there as well. How you doing, Rich? You, you know it's a hot topic when you almost skip past doing all the housekeeping <laughs> at the beginning. Well, that's my favorite part of the you, pod, man. I love the housekeeping. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's not true. Sometimes you just skip <laughs> over it anyway, even if it's a blah podcast. But that is not the case today. We have some stuff to talk about, man. We have about, some man. stuff. It's amazing. We went from, like, elation on Thursday to frustration on Friday. It was a real cold reminder of what's been going on with Mark L. Fultz and this crazy, bizarre, wacky rookie season. So, obviously, Brian Colangelo came out. First of all, the Sixers did absolutely nothing on the deadline, which you said on our podcast earlier in the week, I guess it was Thursday, or Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I forget when it was, but you said that was the most likely outcome. You were right. Uh, good job on you. Um, they, um, they did nothing. Which, which is which, which is fine. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with. Um, you know, there's, it's like I always said, I feel like this season is destined to be a first, at best, second round exit. And would I take help this year? Of course. Like Tyreek Evans for a second, send him on over. Um, Marco Bellinelli, if you want to claim him off waivers now, or I guess he's probably cleared waivers, but if you want to sign him, go ahead. But I'm not going to give up a substantial asset to still get knocked out in the first round. And I just don't think this team is quite ready to really contend for an Eastern Conference playoff run. So I'm okay with what they did. I think they still have to keep all of their assets, keep all of their trade chips in their pocket so they can make that big move when it presents itself. And right now wasn't that time. The only real guy of significance on the market was DeAndre Jordan, and I don't think anybody wants to see a DeAndre Jordan, Joel Embiid frontcourt pairing. Or at least not that you would want to hitch your wagon to that. So I'm fine with... I'd like to see it for a game or two. Oh, yeah. Like just be... for, for like an NBA Jam type <laughs> yeah. thing. But yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be uh, hitching my long-term... Uh, you know, finances towards those. No, not at all. Um, So that was fine. And I, I give Colangelo credit for still having a, 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 a media availability the day after, but it feels like he legitimately thought that yesterday we're recording this on Saturday morning. Now that yesterday was going to be about the trade deadline and about the trades that they decided not to make and to pat themselves on the back for having a long-term view. And that was lunacy. There was no reason he should have thought that, that that press conference was going to be about anything other than Markel Fultz. It was really strange. I mean, it was 22 minutes, as you said. But I think at about the 18 or 19-minute mark, after he was continually getting questions about Fultz and 
deservedly so, by the way. Uh, he, at one point after answering a question, said, is there any question about the trade deadline? <laughs> it's it's like, Brian, it's okay that you didn't make a move. I think it's good, in fact. But there's nothing to talk about. I, I mean, <laughs> and by the way, you had this huge storm of a story brewing in the background that the fan base has been just dying to get any real concrete, solid information to feel like they're kept in a loop. You had to know. And you could have made – you could have gotten Tyreek Evans. And, like, Tyreek Evans isn't a, a huge splash. It's not a long-term, you know, reshuffling of your franchise splash. But it's a significant move for the rest of the season. That press conference still would have been about Markel Fultz. And then he cut it short after yeah. 22 minutes, which – I mean, look, I mean, they're different situations, but I'm just saying, I remember when Sam Hinkie traded Michael Carter-Williams away, and there was absolute befuddlement from most of the media. Uh, He answered questions for about an hour that day. Sam Uh, got killed. He got got killed killed by John Smallwood and all of those likes who came there and were furious how can you trade away the face of your franchise how can you trade away a point guard what are you going to do without a point guard he stood there he answered the tough questions he answered them respectfully and he had like a 45 minute conversation and like you said this is this is different this wasn't about the press uh, the trade deadline but it was about answering answering the tough questions that the media has and by extensions that the fan have fans have because that's why we're there and they didn't do it and we say a 22 minute press conference Let's be clear. First of all, there was a five-minute uh, kind of introduction from Brian. After that, you had fucking Howard Eskin asking about, oh, well, don't you think you needed another trade? Don't you think you needed bench help? Get out of here, Howard. Nobody cares about the trade deadline. We were all there. Like, we media basically in, in the, the media room beforehand said, look, we have to ask him about Markel. We, like, if you have to get one or two questions to get your quotes, fine. But this is about Markel. So you have him interjecting. At one point, he's like, well, when Markel comes back, do you think he's going to be a point guard? Howard, shut up. Nobody's concerned about whether he's going to be a point guard. We can talk about how they're going to fit when he gets closer to playing, but we're nowhere near that. And by the way, NBA people don't really talk in terms of that point guard stuff anymore. Anyway, it was, eh. I mean, and then you had, you know, Brian Seltzer, which I love Brian. He's great. He's there specifically to ask, I don't want to say softball questions, but team-friendly questions because sure. he works for the, the, the site. Um, so you had him interjecting. So really you had about between Brian Colangelo's introduction, Howard Eskin's bullshit questions, and when he said, do you have any questions about the trade deadline, you maybe had 13 minutes in between there. And at that point after he said that, he took two more questions. They were both about Fultz, and they cut it short. And to, to be honest, I think they did a fans a disservice there. Yeah, I, I just don't understand why he was so caught off guard. Fultz is a huge story. And, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we're not going to ask about, oh, do you think Ben should make the All-Star game? He interjected with that at one point. And we're not going to ask about, oh, how do you think the team is is doing right now? Do you plan on claiming Marco Bellinelli off waivers? Like, no, no. If – if Fultz was on the floor, like let's say he has that uh, availability, doesn't make any moves at the deadline, but Fultz is having a relatively normal rookie season, or even if he's not playing that well, 
but he's playing consistently, at least, then you would get some of those questions. Then we would have to get creative and sort of ask what he's thinking about, you know, different things. But this was, I mean, this was plain as day, man. The number one overall pick needs to relearn how to shoot a basketball? <laughs> yeah. We, we, we need answers on that. He went, our, our point guard, the guy we gave up two top six draft picks for, has to relearn and retrain his muscles how to shoot. And then a minute or two later, he said, but guys, do you have any questions about the trade deadline, which we didn't make any moves? I can explain why we didn't make any moves. Get out of here. Yeah. And look, All right. here's, what, here's what I'll say. There, once it became obvious that Markel Fultz has to retrain his, his muscles how to shoot, there was no way Colangelo was going to say that and people not be frustrated. Like, frustration was inevitable at that point. Yeah. But there are ways to diffuse a situation. There are ways to answer questions while still getting out your message, while leaving fans feeling at least a little bit better about the situation of a guy the team has invested so much in and to at least placate fans a little bit. And Brian Colangelo has consistently shown he is incapable of diffusing a hot topic situation. He's just not capable of doing it. Yeah, and I mean, like, I I hope he understands. It's not personal, but, I mean, come on. I mean, this is a massive topic. We're not just going to let this skate. Right, he made it it sound like it was crazy for us to be asking about Markel Fultz. Oh, yeah, the number one overall pick. Forgot how to shoot a basketball. Yeah, but, yeah, fine, whatever. Hey guys, one thing you may not notice about me is that I'm practically blind. My vision is terrible. I also don't particularly like making runs for the doctor's offices. If both of those statements describe you, I have the perfect solution for you. Simple Contacts is a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your preferred brand of contacts from anywhere and in just a few minutes. They even have a five-minute vision test that you take right from your phone or computer. It's then reviewed by a licensed doctor and you receive a renewed one-year prescription and reorder your contacts right there. Simple Contacts offers an unbeatable combination of convenience and doing it from your own home, speed in that it takes less than five minutes from start to end, the reliability of being reviewed by doctors and licensed ophthalmologists, the choice of the brand of contacts you want, customer support for your order, and all at the best price point possible. I was a skeptic at first, but the last time I needed my contact lenses refilled, I gave Simple Contacts a try. The app was tremendously easy to use, clear as day in its instructions, and it had all the selection in the world, allowing me to order the exact same brand of contacts I'd gotten used to after all these years. In the past, I would have put off getting my contact lenses replaced because I didn't feel like dealing with the hassle. No more. With Simple Contacts, I get the same trusted brands and at a fraction of the price. Best of all, our listeners get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order. To save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash sixersbeat and enter promo code sixersbeat at checkout. Again, that's simplecontacts.com or enter the code sixersbeat at checkout. Please do note, though, that this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. So let's get into what he did say, though. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll put it this way to you. What interests you the most out of what he said? Two things. First of all, um, his range. <laughs> Marshall Harris asked him, well, what is his range? And he said, the paint, basically. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, like, I think in the back of my head, because a lot of fans will be like, oh, you're only taking pictures of the bad shots. You're not taking pictures of the long-range shots or videos of the long-range shots. I mean, no, that's not the case. We've, we've, we've been looking for the long-range shots. They're not there. And I guess in the back of my head, I thought, well, maybe he's taking them behind closed doors or maybe he's looking confident behind closed doors. Because I do think, you know, basically in, over the last month, 
since January 13th or so. We've seen him shoot jumpers, and then we've, er, I'm sorry, we've seen him shoot free throws, and then we've seen him shoot turnarounds and pull-ups from like 10 to 12 feet, and that's it. Like, he hasn't gone beyond that. And in the back of my head, I guess I was like naively optimistic that maybe he's getting comfortable in that range behind closed doors. And Brian pretty much shot that down. He basically said the videos, and he didn't like say this, but by what he said, it was basically confirming that the videos that we've been taking kind of do represent where he is in his his return to play program. Um, so I think that was a little yeah. disappointing. And yeah, I mean, he said he said paint shots and perimeter shots are where you kind of draw a line. Right, right. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know. Back when this whole thing started, we said he came out and he said we don't know if changing the shot caused the muscle soreness or if the muscle soreness caused a change in shot. And we said, "Yo, man, there's like you opened up any any fog, any uncertainty, any any questioning exactly what happened. You opened that up. You brought that on yourself. That was a mistake. You had to say it was the injury from the get go and not sow those seeds of doubt. And now we're four months after the fact." He has a chance to squash that speculation, not say my number one overall draft pick went out and changed his shot over the summer without team consent. And what does he say? He says, well, we still don't know whether or not he went out, changed his shot, and that caused shoulder pain or whether shoulder pain caused a change in shot. Like the fact that he had this much time to come up with a story, to come up with, well, first of all, to come up with the truth. But if that truth isn't available, to come up with a story that at least take some of the blame off of Markel Fultz. In fact, they had that much time and still didn't come up with jack shit. It boggles my mind. It bo- like A lot of fans will look, and we'll get to this when we talk about Redick. A lot of fans will look at us and say, we're the ones bringing the attention on Markel Fultz. No, the Sixers are bringing the attention on Markel Fultz. When they said that he changed his shot over the summer without our consent, when Brett Brown said he intentionally changed his shot, he wanted to change his shot, when they came out and let him play through that, when they came out and contradicted the agent's story, when he cast doubt on the, the legitimacy of the of the shoulder injury right from the get-go as being the cause, um, when he brought him back. I mean, look, this whole thing, up until early January, January 2nd, when they had that press release, this whole thing was frustrating because of a lack of transparency. We said, look, they're giving us bullshit updates. It's vague. It's two sentences. They're not answering questions about it. That's frustrating. But in the back of our head, we still had, well, he's probably making significant progress in the background. And then they yeah. came out on January 2nd, and they said he's in the final stages. And then a week later, he was playing five on five. And in our head, it was like, you know, this has been a really frustrating experience, but it looks like it now might be in our rearview mirror. And he came back out, and he wasn't prepared. And for the team to put him out there when he wasn't prepared, I think just brought a whole new level of speculation onto Markel, and it didn't need to be that case. Like, before then, everyone was frustrated at the organization, and by bringing him out too early, they shifted that frustration back onto the player they should be protecting. It's a good point you make, because obviously all the updates have been vague, and the main reason that Colangelo got all these questions yesterday is because he hasn't been available for a couple of months, Markel has not been available since he was shut down. Brett has just dealt with all of these questions, and we're not getting any sort of info. Um, it, it's a good point you make to say this was going to be a frustrating situation anyway. 
Because Markel can't shoot at an NBA level right now. No. And that, that like, you know, to, to give Colangelo even a little bit of sympathy, it, it's not an easy situation to talk no. about. No. No, it's not. So, so I get that. Um, but, yeah, now the focus has turned into, well, are you guys handling this correctly? Because, I mean, it's one thing for you to, to, to sort of give these vague updates – now there's a real question. I mean, I just have so many questions about whether this is the right course to move forward. Uh, you know, he said that he can, you know, the perimeter shots are, are where he cuts it off. I mean, that that's what we've seen. In terms of, a, like, a live action play, he can shoot in the paint, and he can shoot a free throw when, when he takes forever. And those look okay at times. But nothing else? I mean, and then Colangelo says, well, he's looking great in terms of attacking the basket. There's nobody guarding him. I I, I can look good. I mean, I I wouldn't look good at attacking the basket, but anybody can attack the basket when there's nobody guarding you. And, I mean, God, the stories just haven't been straight. How about yesterday when Colangelo says his conditioning is better than it's been, (laughs) like, since he was drafted? This is a less than 48 hours after Brett says, I take him out because of conditioning. Right. They've never been on the same page. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, yeah, the stories just haven't been straight. And, I mean, that. look, I, I understand, you know, he's probably thinking, oh, my God, the speculation is crazy. But a lot of that is self-inflicted. It really is. It really is. And, I mean, I think we're both at the stage where – Judging by the lack of progress, judging by the fact there's 30 games left. And, you know, Colangelo tried to be like, oh, well, he's practiced so much with the team. He fits, his skill set fits in so well. I think it's going to be an easy adjustment. I I, I don't think that's going to be the case. And if he oh, can't. No, no, that, I, disagreed with, I disagreed with that more than anything he said yesterday, which yeah. is hard to do. And when you have that kind of adjustment, and like we said, he played like, going off of memory, but like three summer league games, two preseason games, and four regular season games in the last 12 months. So you have that adjustment just to playing basketball. You have that adjustment playing its NBA competition. And you have that adjustment of, oh, by the way, his muscles forgot how to shoot. I don't see any way, any way whatsoever that he's going to play this year. And as you said repeatedly, if that's the case, and look, I do wonder a little bit, there's a couple plausible explanations. Last week I brought up maybe it's a, Carrot for Markel uh, to, to keep him kind of engaged. It could also be that it, once you shut someone down for the season, you do have to make them available to the media. Maybe they don't want to do that right now. But I think what would be best for him is to just be shut down, get away from the cameras, which might sound contradictory, but we'll get to that later. Get into a spot where he only has to worry about his shot. Get that shot back, not worry about anything else. Because this kid, I just, I just don't see if, Look, I'll be happy to be wrong. I just don't see how he's going to play this year. I don't see it. Yeah, and I mean, he keeps talking about how, you know, he's – it'll be an easy transition because, well, he's with the coaching staff all the time and he travels with the team and whatever. I He fundamentally can't shoot a basketball. And that that's just a massive problem. I, I just don't see it. And – you know, I I hate to sound, you know, like a broken record on this, but he should be dedicating all of his time to the shot. It's and and not 
the way, honestly, to me, I don't think the way they're doing it because he'll shoot these, you know, these pull-up jumpers and they won't look that good, and then he'll do some form shooting from two feet away. Yep. I, he needs to do that. Like they, the first step is admittance, right? You, you, you need to, you need to just figure this out, isolate the problem, and get it right. I, it's, I, I understand. By the way, this is like you said in your uh, your piece today, this is about as frustrating for everybody. It's frustrating for us to talk about because sometimes I feel like an idiot talking about this because we have no idea what's going on. But they really need to just understand that, like, this is bad, and the only way we're going to fix this is by going all in and isolating the problem. I, I don't oh – God, it's just – it's maddening to talk about, man. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And it, it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, and clearly the Sixers don't. Like, I do empathize with them a little bit that you just, you don't know how long this is going to take. This is, I mean, Colangelo said he's never seen this injury before in his career. I don't know if a player who previously was able to shoot now having to retrain that mid-season has ever, to my knowledge, happened in the middle of a career or in the middle of a year. Um, so I understand that, like, actually sitting down and trying to get a timeline is borderline impossible. My biggest criticism is that they just, I don't know what they saw in late December, early January to say, yeah, let's uh, let's announce this kid is almost ready and let's let's put him under that scrutiny. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, and for Colangelo to say he's progressing well and he's doing things on a basketball court that are a pure and natural display of his talents and basketball instincts, he's playing one on zero. <laughs> I, I will say, I think it's it's right for him to say that. I don't put much stock into it. Like, of course, he looks good doing that. And I think it's right for them, you know, before a game to go out there and have him do these drills that he's going to look good. And this is shoot around before a game isn't the time where um, where you have to get reps in. Like, he has plenty of time. That that practice, and this goes back to, to him shooting in front of the media, that practice facility is open 24-7 to these guys. They have a key card to get in. Coaching staff will get there whenever they want. He can put up shots whenever he damn well pleases. There's no shortage of time for him to put up shots. He doesn't need to be doing that before a game. So if you want to be be there and have him do dribble drive moves, have him attack the basket, have him change direction and showcase some of those skills just to kind of, you know, if someone's going to videotape it, that at least look good doing it. I sure, fine. Fine. I don't I like, I I think that's okay. But I'm also not going to put a whole lot of stock in it right now. Yeah. Uh you want to talk about uh Reddick bitching us out? <laughs> He uh, he did rip us a new one, but before we do get to that, one quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I recently bought tickets to see Philadelphia's own Kevin Hart this summer at the BB&T Pavilion and the entire process was completely painless. Most of all, I had complete confidence that I was going to get the best deal possible. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. 
SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BEAT today. That's promo code B-E-A-T for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, so Reddick, after the press conference, we there was shoot-around. And we're all in there maybe maybe half an hour, 45 minutes after the press conference ends, we're told to go back out on the court to shoot around. And on the far end, which is where Markel always is, he's on a far court with a, co- a coach doing pull-up jump shots. And J.J. is on the court closest to us going through his his shooting drills. And in the middle of his, you know, we a lot of the media gets out and videotapes him, as as we typically do. And J.J. turns to a coach. Says all that, you know, all that, and then points to us, like the whole row of reporters. And he says, kids fucking 19, man. Shit, y'all are sick. And afterwards, he had a chance to kind of expand on that. And he kind of said, look, I understand that fans have interest in this, but taking video of him every day shooting pull-up jump shots is is obsessive. And he was still clearly frustrated, a little toned down from where he was in... um you know, during the, 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 the drill he was running through, but he was also in front of a camera now and in front of microphones. You expect him to be toned down a little bit. I think the, the first reaction was probably the, the one closer to the truth. And I got to say, I don't, I don't hold any grudge against J.J. for saying that at all. Like, I don't think he was even wrong to say it. I think his role as a teammate and a leader and a friend of Markel, that's the perspective he should have. But that's also not the perspective we should have. And not that we're against Markel. I mean, shit, I don't even, like, people get into, oh, does he have a, a mental problem? I've always said I think he took bad advice in the summer. And that's his biggest problem there and not telling the team. And this is all kind of a consequence of that. I'm not ready to go into a lot of the problems some of the fans, I'm, I'm seeing from some of the fans on Twitter and Reddit and whatnot. Um, so... But I think what our what our role is, is to tell the story. And the team has continually said, Markel will come back when he can shoot. That makes his jump shot a very big story. And we don't get updates from Brett. We don't get updates from Colangelo outside of that day. We don't get updates from Markel because we can't talk to, we can't talk to the team doctors. We have one real way to judge the progress of his jump shot. And fans have one real way to be informed of the progress of his jump shot. And it would be one thing if the Sixers came out in December and said, look, he's got some time in front of him. We'll let you know in like two months. You know, it's going to take some time to rebuild that shot. Then, yeah, daily updates would be pretty ridiculous. But they keep saying, you know, January 2nd, final stages, return to play program. January 9th, he's playing five on five. Like at that point, we're under the, I mean, remember how much speculation there was that he'd play in like London? Or that when he came back, uh, or when they came back, for that first game on Toronto, that home game, he would play there. Like well, this he, is what didn't he, didn't he tweet out? I have a surprise for the fans oh, or something. He's done that a couple times, but they, like I said, they created this anticipation themselves. So if you're going to tell me he'll come back when his jump shot's better, yeah, I think it's natural that that reporters are going to shoot video of his jump shots because that's what fans want. And by the way, like you and I. We barely ever post video of his jump shots. 
Like, I checked. I have not posted a video of his jump shot since January 14th. We're at February 10th. You've posted one video of his jump shot since then. We're not, like, we have not obsessed ourselves individually over posting videos of the jump shot. Two reasons for me. First of all, everybody else is doing it. Um, Yeah, that's the big one for me. If I was getting an exclusive, I might take out the phone a little quicker. (laughs) And second of all, it's just, it's not changing. It's not new information. Like, it's, uh, you know, everything, I will say, maybe some of the pull-ups from 10-foot are looking better. That's fine. Some of the free throws are maybe a little more consistent, although still up and down. But you're not seeing, like, if he was coming out tomorrow and shooting 18-footers, I'd pull out my phone and take a video because that's new information for fans. If he was shooting three-pointers again, I would take out my phone and I would take video of that. But by and large, the, the, the message that I would be sending is the same. So, you know, at that point, maybe JJ's point, like, post video once a week just as an update to fans. Maybe that's a little more, but sure, sure. But my big point is you're putting this kid out there in front of the media and you're saying the jump shot is what will determine when he's going to come back. Human nature is to give the fans what they want and give them the information they want. We, JJ and ourselves, we just have different perspectives. Yeah, and and I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I was just joking. I mean, the main reason I don't, post video all the time is because I mean really like what what else are we learning oh it, it looks kind of weird and sometimes it goes in again I mean you know whatever so yeah I mean I, I do understand Reddick's point don't begrudge him at all it is a little obsessive but for all the reasons that you laid out like I, the people who take videos every day I, I'll defend them you know yeah, absolutely all, all day I mean it's their right and you know, in many ways, they, they're sort of thinking it's their job, and I don't necessarily disagree, even if, you know, we decide to post them a little less. If the Sixers put this kid out there every, you know, pretty much after every shoot-around and give us a timeline that basically says, well, he's close, you know, we'll see. We don't know exactly when, but we expect him to play this season. Guess what? People are going to focus on that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And here's, so, here's, here's the other thing, too. And I agree with that completely. Like, <clears throat> just like when Brian Colangelo said, hey, our point guard that we traded two picks for, he has to relearn how to shoot. But do you have any questions about the trade deadline? Just like that is ridiculous. Saying, hey, he's in the final stages. He's playing five on five. Could be close. We'll see how his jump shot looks. And then, you know, yelling at us for obsessing over his jump shot like you just can't you can't set that expectation and then get mad at the result also what i'll say is back when it was clear he was getting close to five on five i told two members of the front office and i said look there's going to be he's going to be under a microscope like he's never seen before this these jump shots are going to be dissected in every which way not necessarily by the media but by the fans who want to see it and they said fine like we like we're okay with that like they felt he was ready for that kind of scrutiny. The front office and the coaching staff have, and Markel himself have all the control in the world over this. Like I said, he has access to that training facility 24 hours a day. They will get a coaching, a coach there whenever he wants. There's two of them. (laughs) Sure. There is nothing requiring him to be shooting during, Again, it's not like we're saying, well, he, he just shouldn't practice because he's not confident. Like, no, we get access to 10 minutes of that practice. That's it. A two-hour practice some days, we get 10 minutes at the end when all people are only doing shooting drills. He could just say, hey, look, I'm going to go shoot 
for 10 minutes before practice. I'm going to shoot for 10 minutes tonight. I'm going to shoot for 10 minutes after I go, you know, eat lunch at our catered, you know, our, our in-house um, restaurant. He could do a million different things. If they don't want him under that level of scrutiny, there's no reason he would be. Yeah. The the response to the media coverage of this story has been one of the more polarizing things I've ever seen. I mean, on one hand, I have people saying, you're not pressing him hard enough. You're not – every question should be about faults to – Dario Saric and, and whatever. And then there are other people who agree with Redick who think this is too much and, and we're sort of uh, – we're hurting the kid's future. And, I like, I'm going to be honest. I, I side closer to the first people. Uh, it's not our job to, uh, to coddle this kid. And I, I get it. He's 19 years old. Guess what? He's the first pick in the NBA draft uh, who's making – how many million dollars a year? Seven. Part of the job is to deal up, deal with media scrutiny. I'm sorry. Like, I, I get it. It's on, not even really media level? scrutiny to be honest. It's not like we're sitting here breaking down his shot that much. It's mostly fans. We're just giving them information. Anyway. On a personal level, I totally feel for Mar- Markel Fultz. This is awful. Like, I, I mean, for a guy who the game came so easily to over the past couple of years and a guy who – I mean, obviously he, you know, he had that good story about how he wasn't a varsity player until he was a junior. But God, who had just had three unbelievable years of basketball, for that to basically vanish overnight, I mean, that has to be traumatic. I'm sure there's a mental component to this. Uh, that was asked of Colangelo yesterday, and he again gave an unsatisfactory answer on that one. But whatever. Uh, I get it. Like, this has to suck for him, but it's a major story. Yep. I mean, the the first pick in the NBA draft, needing to relearn how to shoot a basketball, that is not something that any media member should let slide. Right, right. It's not normal. Uh, So, you know, I don't don't know where they go from here, but, again, I mean, I've, I've made my position very clear on this. They need to shut him down for the year and they need to send him away or just away from cameras. Like you said, you know, if, if, if you want him to stay in Philly and stay with the team, fine. But have him practice at 5 p.m. It's like, I think it was Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad said yesterday, like, I didn't, I didn't get into this to hold up a cell phone and take video of a guy 100 feet away shooting pull-up jumpers. Like, this isn't what I necessarily I signed up for. Um, but also, it is a story that needs to be told, and it's the information that maybe not every fan wants, but a large majority of fans want. And it's a story that's really important on the Sixers' long-term future. It's a story that is not adequately explained at this point. And because of that, if you're going to run a guy out there, we have to cover it. I'm sorry. It's it's just part of the job. It's part of the job. All right, we're going to get into some actual basketball talk, the uh, stuff that happened on the court in a second. But before we do, a real quick word from our sponsor. I'm constantly looking for ways to make better use of my time and avoid unnecessary waiting. Did you know that you can even get postage on demand with Stamps.com? You can. With Stamps.com, you can print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package right from your home or office. All available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, when it's convenient for you. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale so you can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage every time. And it's so easy to use, they'll have you up and running in seconds. 
you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. It's never been easier to send out your letters and packages. At The Athletic, we send a lot of merchandise, and Stamps.com has helped make that process easier and less time-consuming than ever, turning what would have been a chore into something that's barely even a blip on my radar screen. Best of all, I've worked out a special offer with Stamps.com for our listeners. That includes a four-week trial, plus postage, and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BEAT. That's Stamps.com, enter B-E-A-T. Good win last night, though, huh? <laughs> yeah. Wire to wire. <laughs> that was nice. Uh, that was kind of like the shame of it, too. Like, we're watching Joel Embiid progress into this MVP caliber player. Like, no doubt in my mind, if he stays healthy, that's his future. Not that he'll win one, but he'll be contending for one. Ben Simmons, we can argue whether he should or should not be an all-star. Based on who they selected, I think he should, not necessarily over Kemba Walker, but I think he should have gotten one of those three reserve spots. But he's playing like an all-star right from the jump. Dario Saric is here, and he's adapted his game into this collection of talent in his second year, better than I think anyone could have expected. His shooting Fantastic. is tremendous. He's passing the shit out of the ball. You can see his IQ and, and his creativity. And some of those fit questions we had are, are slowly dissipating. But borderline best story of the season. I, it's By unbelievable far. how well he's playing. Joel Embiid's healthy. He's playing minutes. Robert Covington's locked up long term. The Sixers are on the precipice of something great. But in order to get another parade down Broad Street, some of these decisions, you you still this is a league where you need three or four stars. It's just it's just the fucking way it is. And they invested a lot in Markel because they thought he could be that guy. So to not cover that, it's just it, it just magnifies how important he is. Like if the Sixers were, you know, the magic, like yeah, you'd need Markel to work out because they they desperately need something to cling to. But almost just the fact that the Sixers are so close. And you can see a pathway to contention. They invested a lot in this kid. And look, I still, I'm, I almost feel naive, but I'm still really bullish on what this kid can become. Like, I see the talent. I'm never, I've never questioned the talent. I don't think he's, you know, I think he might be a little immature, but I don't like all the mental midget stuff I've never subscribed to. I think he can get back if, if, I've, we said this one or two pods ago. If he learned how to become that deadly of a pull-up jump shooter before, I think he can do it again with with proper training and guidance. And I think that's very key. But it's just it's it's a huge story, and I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Yeah, I mean that whole starting lineup is is killing people right now. Killing, destroying. It's really good, and oh, it's just you have to focus on faults because it's just such. It's such an important story. I mean, God, I mean, the, the one thing this team is missing is a, is a guy who late in games you can give the ball to and who can get his own shot and do shot for teammates uh, in a way that Ben Simmons just can't right now, which is fine because he's a 6'10", uh, I don't even he's 6'10", he's shot out of a cannon, uh, with how well he's playing. God, his defense is so good. Uh, he was everywhere last night. Everywhere. So, look, all that stuff's good. But, I mean, God, this Markel Fultz story, it's just so unsatisfactory. I mean, God, it's its bad. And it's, it's so true, like you said. I mean, 
uh, there was legit speculation he was going to play in London a month ago. Yep. I mean, come on. That, that, that wouldn't have even been uh, – it, it's ridiculous that that, that, that was even – I know Brett denied it a few times, but the fact that some people even thought that was a possibility is just irresponsible on their part. You know? and, and, and by the way, the team was sending out indications. They thought he was close at that point. Never about that game specifically, but like – Early mid January, they thought he was close. It's it's yeah. it's. They, and I mean, I I guess the take here is that they they really don't know. No idea, no idea. And I mean, I I think they like I said, I think they kind of pushed the hype button a little bit too early, and that explains at least I look. You want to get on us for shooting video, fine, but I think I think the Sixers and the way they've treated that have played a role in that as well. So it's a, it's a two prong problem. I mean, you know we've. <laughs> We've basically killed them for about 30 minutes or so about how they've handled this. But I think everybody needs to know that the thing that me and you are most concerned about right now is whether this kid can actually get back on the floor. Because, I mean, God, I, you know, we, we love talking about the media aspect and their transparency. And by the way, they deserve to get hit for that and hit hard. But the real thing that matters is this kid getting back to the level where he can stop on a dime and shoot has he pull up Jimbo's and guys' faces. I mean, that's that's what we all care about. Like, yeah. we, me and you got into this to talk about basketball. Like, we're just obsessive basketball fans and analysts, and so we want to watch this kid play at a high level. That's, you know, that's what it boils down to. And, I mean, like you said, I, I feel stupid saying it, but I, I do think there's – if he can get this shot back, like – I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Yep. But it's just, God, it's been such an unsatisfactory thing. I, I will say this. If he does get the shot back and becomes, I mean, you know, I'm not saying he needs to become, you know, an MVP candidate or anything. But let's say he becomes like an all-star caliber player along the lines of, you know, the guy he was projected to be coming out of college. That'll be the craziest story in the history of basketball, maybe. Yeah, for sure. After, after this. So that's why, you know, we're saying while we're still confident in the talent, like this is this is borderline unprecedented what's going on right It now. really is. And, I mean, it's one thing for us to say he can't shoot. And I think some people take that. He can't shoot now. And I think some people take that as negative. I'm just – I'm stating what I see. That's not me saying he'll never be able to shoot. That's not me saying he's – like I said, a, 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 a mental head case for getting to this point. It's just right now he can't physically shoot a basketball. No, he just can't. It's it's a fact. <laughs> and like you, I didn't – I mean, this is part of the job, and you have to do it, but I didn't get into this – I got into this because I cared about what happened on that 94 feet by 50 feet rectangle. And that's always going to be my focus. Like I don't I don't get too far into player, players' personal lives or their personal demons or – the only other story I really hated to cover – was the whole Okafor legal issues. That's just not, that's not what I'm here for. But you can't, I mean, this impacts what happens on that, on that basketball court. And it's, it's unavoidable. It's just, it's unavoidable. And look, I mean, some people view the league as entertainment. And, you know, I I remember a couple weeks ago, Kevin Durant, did you see the video of him? uh, He was taking questions after that crazy LeBron to the Warriors rumor. (laughs) And there were two media guys in the scrum almost coming to blows because they just wanted to get the soundbite of him talking about this. Just this ridiculous, absurd rumor. And and these guys almost started fighting each other, these two camera guys. 
And Durant looks at them and basically says, I mean, what are we talking about here, guys? <laughs> I mean, this is this is basketball. And I was like, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Kevin Durant fan in the world. I, obviously, as a player, I am. But, oh, oh my God, I was like, you, <laughs> you summed up my thoughts on that perfectly. Uh, and I get it. You know, some people, they, they look at the sport as entertainment. Don't get me wrong. Like, when... when and Embiid does something funny off the court. I'm, I'm not going to write about it, but like you know, if if it's interesting, like I'll laugh at it. And you know, if Russell Westbrook wears a crazy costume and the inside the NBA guys start making fun of him for it, like or I'm sorry, not costume, just like an outfit. It basically is a costume sometimes that he'll wear to games. Like I, I like that stuff. Not too. like a Jason Kelsey costume. No, no, it was a. Uh, quickly on that, I I couldn't believe like the national attention he got on that. No. Nobody knew what the Mummers was, which was funny. They were like, is he a sultan? What, what, what is he wearing right now? <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, but I, I love all that stuff too. Uh, but this doesn't even qualify as that. I mean, you know, anybody who gets entertainment out of this is sort of, you know, just kind of, you know, they must be in the horror movies or something like that because this is not fun to cover. Yep. Uh well, I'm not sure I got anything else. What do you got? No, I I mean it's it's just such a strange unexplained thing, man. I you know. <laughs> I I know, man. I know. I I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. Uh okay, I, I guess the last thing. I let, let's go uh on the record on this. How do we think the rest of the season plays out? For him, oh, for him, not, not the team. I think he's, yeah. I think he's done. I think he's done. Yeah. When do you I, do you think they'll announce that soon? I, I agree with you. By the way, two weeks. I think yeah. late 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 February. If he's not if he's not back, I think that's when they'll announce it. Yeah. And this is no information at all, just speculation. Yeah. And I, look, I think that'll be the right thing to do. I thought uh, you were going to ask me the rest of the season for the team. I thought I had something positive to say on this podcast. I was like, so excited. Ahead. 17 and 13. 17 and 13. That's my prediction. That's the final record? No, that's what they do over the last 30 games. So that would be... What? 44? 44. Pretty good. And by the way, I think that's, you know, knock on wood, keep JoJo healthy. That's doable. Yeah, it all all depends on how many back-to-backs he plays and and whether he's healthy or not. For sure. And whether, like, you can't lose. And this goes back to the trade deadline. This goes back to Markel. You can't lose. Any of those top five, not a single. You lose a single one, and their whole thing just falls apart. But yeah, that that's what I'll say. I mean, God, when that top five is going, though, I mean, they're just they're rolling teams in the first quarter, man. That third quarter too last night. Oof, oof, they destroyed them. Was it sixteen zero run to end it? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, and and you said this to me too. Uh, they quit as I was as I was commenting to you about the uh, the Pelicans numbers being. Uh, uneven on the back and you, you that was all it, i don't know how i didn't notice it. maybe it's just not as noticeable on tv but once you said that in person i couldn't i couldn't unsee it it drove me fucking insane well i mean it it looked like the uniforms were drunk and the pelicans looked like they were drunk too it looked like they were partying hard at the eagles parade the whole day uh they, they, they didn't give a lot but it doesn't matter i mean like it's the NBA. When you have a team that doesn't give any effort, you're supposed to hammer them, and that's what the Sixers did. And uh, look, I mean, some of these games in March, if they're they're jockeying for playoff position and they're healthy, this this could be a lot of fun. But you know, right now, full 
deserves the attention. <laughs> well, at least you got a little bit of a break coming up. You've got the All-Star break coming up. A trade deadline now in the rearview mirror, which means a, a break would be good because outside of the team's day-to-day play, there's nothing really off the court to talk about other than Markel Fultz. There's no no trades, no real major transactions that could happen. Um, the draft is still quite a bit away in a year that you just don't have quite as much invested in, although it's looking more and more likely that you'll get that Lakers pick. So you will have a lottery pick to obsess over, but it's not, you know, it's not a top three pick like we're accustomed to. So a lot of that attention is going to be on Markel. And that's why I hope that they, you know, if they're keeping him out here in front of, in front of everybody's attention, I hope that they legitimately believe he has a chance of coming back soon because I just, I don't see it right now. I don't either, but I don't understand anything about this, buddy. So, <laughs> not a deal. All right. Well, thanks for jumping on, Rich, and we will talk to you again soon. All right. See you, man. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBowlers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. 